You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. If you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and the title of this talk is Finding Jireh in the Above and Beyond. It's not an above and beyond talk, so don't worry, we're not going to do a giving thing today. The title's Finding Jireh in the Above and Beyond. We mentioned last week that in this collection of talks, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, and Hebrews 11 tells us what faith is. You see it right in verse 1. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And we made it clear that this isn't necessarily a leap in the dark. It's more a step into the promise. So if you read the verses above, God is promising something to his people And then coming into verse 1 of chapter 11, he's saying, now what faith is, is believing in that promise that God has spoken over our lives. So faith today for you isn't just saying, oh, I, I finally became a believer and now I just jump off a cliff into the dark. No, faith is I became a believer and I found out that God has spoken promises over my life. And now I'm going to actually step into agreement with God into the promise that God has spoken over my life. What the enemy wants to do is cause you to have amnesia today and forget the promise that God has spoken over your life. Forget the faithfulness of God in your life. And if he can do that, deteriorate your confidence in what God is going to do in your future. But faith, if it stays active, if we fuel it, if we keep putting logs on the fire through our memory of what God has done and are absorbing the word which tells us who God is, then that faith stays alive and it keeps propelling us to continue to step into the promise of God. Last week we talked about Abraham. He's one of the examples in chapter 11 of these men and women who took a step into the promise. The part one of his story, we learned that he journeyed out from his homeland and he journeyed into the promised land. He is credited as having faith because when called, he obeyed and went. When he arrived, he lived in the promised land, though looking for a better promised land. And he also believed the promise that he, even though it says about him, was as good as dead, that he could still have a son. And so we celebrated Abraham showing us what it means to step into the promise. But Abraham's story doesn't end there. In fact, it really begins there. And if you look at verse 17, you see more. By faith, I don't know if you remember last week or not, but you were supposed to amen, touch your neighbor, say uh, by faith or something in all the by faith. So uh, again, verse 17 says, we'll just pick it up there. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise 
was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And now that word reckoned means that they'll be called, that they'll be brought into the story of God. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now, this is a complicated little paragraph. And if you're new to the faith and new to following Jesus, maybe you haven't seen this paragraph before and you're thinking this story was going so great. Abraham left his land. He, he was in advanced years. His wife was barren and yet God promised him he was going to have a son and that through this son, all the peoples on earth were going to be blessed. And yet once that miracle happens, that he steps into that promise and it becomes a reality, God puts him to the test. And the test is, are you willing to put that son on the altar? We see this story unfold in Genesis 22. Probably be good if we just went back and picked up the whole context in that chapter. And then we'll fast forward back to what it means for you and me. It says in verse 1 of Genesis 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And Abraham replied, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Now, let's just stop here and solve uh, problem number one. Uh, God has said now in Hebrews, and now we see again in Genesis 22, that he wants Abraham to take his only son. But we know that Abraham already has a son because he took a side trip with his servant Hagar and Ishmael was born. And so there is another son already in the story. So why does God keep saying to him, take your only son? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, um, in the text right above where we're reading, Abraham had sent Hagar and Ishmael away. And in this culture, that was a cutting off of relationship. And so it wasn't that he didn't love Ishmael. We see in the context of the verses above that he really cared about Ishmael, but he severed ties with Hagar, severed ties with Ishmael and sent them away. In this culture, it would have meant that he no longer was his son. But more importantly, what God is saying is the son of promise. In other words, I promised a son through which I would bless the world and all the peoples of earth, but that son was gonna come through Sarah and with Sarah, you only have a son. And so that's the son that I'm talking about, the only son of promise that is in your story. And so he says in verse, it says in verse two, when God said to him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, again, if you're new to faith or even if you're not new to faith, it seems crazy that God would even start down this road. But again, in the context of this day, it was not unheard of that someone would sacrifice a child to a pagan God, not to 
to God, the God Yahweh, or to our God, but to a pagan God, the Canaanites would sacrifice a firstborn son to the God Molech, for example. So this wasn't in a completely, you know, foreign framework that God is asking this, but just stay with the story a little bit and you'll understand that God really isn't asking Abraham to kill his son. He's putting him to the test. It says, and so early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. Now that's another message for another day, but it's pretty great when God asks you to do something and the first thing the next morning you get up and get your stuff together. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he'd cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, so this is a pretty good journey there on here, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, watch the phrase, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. So Abraham is in the by faith moment because he knows that both he and Isaac are gonna go up the mountain and both he and Isaac are gonna return. And if in some crazy scenario, which I don't think Abraham believes is the scenario that's gonna play out, he were to take the life of his son, God is gonna raise his son back up from the dead and the two of them are gonna come back down the mountain together. But he believes that he and his son are gonna return back to the servants. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So we're learning from this, by the way, that Isaac probably, most scholars believe, was somewhere between 20 and 30 years old. So this is not a little boy that Abraham is saying, okay, son, great, we're gonna pile all this wood on you and then you're gonna carry all the wood up the mountain. Who, who could do that? What little kid could do that? So it's most likely that Isaac is 22 years old or 28 years old or 19 years old as this story unfolds. And that's gonna be very important as we get up to the top of the mountain. So it says in verse seven, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, Abraham, father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And then the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you've not withheld from me your son, your only 
son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. That's what you swear to when you're God. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Now, a few things to note in the story. Number one, if there's an asterisk, even in our thinking today that says, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if I could believe in or trust in a God who would call someone to give their one and only son on the altar of sacrifice to God. Hold that thought. We're going to end there. Secondly, again, let's think about what was happening on the mountain. We've got a, a guy who we know is a hundred and a young man who's 28. So at some point as this went down, the 100-year-old and the 28-year-old would have joined forces in faith. A 28-year-old is not gonna get thrown down and bound up by a 100-year-old. And so somehow in the thinking and the understanding and the conversations that Abraham has had with God in the ways that God has led Abraham out of Ur and all the way into the promised land and his journey of building faith and seeing God's faithfulness. And as his son has grown up in that same faith and now the conversation is unfolding and he's asking the question, where's the lamb? Abraham answers, God will provide. Now they're getting down to the moment. There is no lamb. And Abraham says, this is the story, son. And the son says, wow, well, if this is the test and this is the step and this is us believing God, then dad, we're gonna believe God together right here on this day. And then as God had said, he did provide. And there was a ram caught in a bush. God always comes through. And so in the moment, Abraham called the place Yahweh provides. Yahweh Yira. Yahweh provides. Called that place Yahweh provides. So when called, he obeyed and went. When he arrived, he lived in the promised land while looking for a better one. 
he believed in the promise that even though he was good as dead, he would have a son. But now we see part two, by faith, he offered to God his very best. And this is what God is asking of me today. And he's what, it's what he's asking of you today. Do you trust me to the degree that you would offer your very best? He's not calling any of us up on Mariah today. He's not calling any of us to bind our child on an altar today. He's calling us to believe him to the degree that we would say, whatever I consider the most valuable thing to me, I'm willing to even offer that to you, God, in trust and in faith that it will be good with you. Now, interestingly, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but I want to help us a little bit. The word Yahweh Yira, God provides, I wanted to understand this word. And so I went into the Hebrew and began to look at the word under Yira, the word that we would bring forward into Jira. And when I did, everywhere I looked, well, I began with the definition of the word, which is to see. I thought, oh, this word's going to mean to provide. And sure enough, it says, no, this word means to see. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, this isn't adding up. So I went to see how this word is used all the way through the Old Testament. And every time it's used in the Old Testament, it is see, look, see, 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 see. Come to Genesis 22, and it's provide. And I'm like, why is it provide? And Genesis 22, and it's see everywhere else in the Bible. So now I'm in some deep, you know, theological manuscript written by um, people who are scholars in the Hebrew language. And it's mostly because of the context. In verse 8, when Abraham said to his son, uh, God is going to, Yira, he's going to provide the lamb. Once we get there and there is a ram in the thicket, then he names the place Yahweh Yira. God provides. But the more literal translation would be, when we get there, God's going to see what's going on and God's going to work it out. And then when God provided the ram in the thicket, God sees what happens on the mountain of the Lord. In other words, God sees the faith of a man and his son. He sees the faith of someone willing to give his best. He sees what he is pleased with, which is those who trust in him, and then God provides. And so it all does kind of come together, if you will. And I don't think we need to throw the word gyra out because we know God is a provider from a hundred other verses in scripture, right? We know that God will provide all my needs according to his righteousness in Christ Jesus. And so I, I, I know that God is a provider. He already is. But I also just want to point out that Abraham didn't call God Jehovah Jireh in this text. He called the place Yahweh provides. He called the place Yahweh provides. And then a proverb emerged out of that. In the proverb that emerged out of it, we see down in verse 14. He called the place the Lord will provide, or the Lord 
sees what we need and sees our faith, and then God provides what only God can provide. And so to this day, it is said, there is a proverb among the Jewish people to this day and to those of us who are now by faith in Christ linked into this promise. And it says this, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Or if you want to take it literal, on the mountain of the Lord, God's going to see to it. And so we have now an opportunity to move into this promise, to move into this same identity. And it looks like this, four things that I think God wants every one of us to walk away with today. Number one, it is not unlike God to test you. Thank you for all the amens and affirmation. See, when we face the test, any test, we immediately move into the mode of unrest. Oh goodness, something went wrong. Oh goodness, we don't know what's going on. Oh goodness, we might not be on the path with God because look at all the tests. When the headwind we're facing might actually be God testing us. And when he tests us, here's the key. God doesn't test us so that he can find out what we're made of. God tests us so that we can find out what he is made of. He puts us in a moment and says, I'm inviting you to take a step into the promise. Not so that I, God, can see if you can step into the promise, but so that you can see that when you step into the promise, you're stepping into a promise with a God who keeps his word. And I think a lot of us don't know as much as God wants us to know about his faithfulness because we thought the test was a hurdle we should run from, not something by faith we should go over or through. And so you've got to have the right people around you, the right heart linked into the word of God, the right sensitivity to the spirit of God. So you know when God is putting you to the test so that you can remain faithful. Remember, we saw that in the verses above in chapter 10. So you don't throw away your confidence just because there's a test. You don't throw away your confidence just because God asks you to put the most valuable thing in your life on the altar. You don't throw your confidence away at that point. And when you don't throw your confidence away, you see the faithfulness of God, and then you get to name that place where you had that test right there. That's Yahweh Yira right there. That is the place where God saw to it that he is enough for me. Secondly, God wants to make sure you don't sleep on the last miracle. You're like, what does that mean? that you're not still living in Canaan when he invited you up to the above and beyond. Abraham could have said, when God said, I want you to take Isaac and load up a donkey and I want you to go up to Moriah, up into the hill country and I'm gonna show you exactly where to go when you get up there. He could have said, hey, we're already in Canaan. We're already across the Jordan. 
We're good. I got my boy. I got my promise. I got my promised land. We're living in promised land estates. And I got the most famous kid in the neighborhood. We're good. Don't sleep on the last miracle God did for you. It is very likely that God wants to exponentially grow your faith even more. And he wants to take you somewhere that possibly you've never been. The headline could have read, and it would have been one of the best ones of all time, 100-year-old man, father's son. It's a good headline. But that's not Abraham's headline. Abraham's headline is he named the place and taught us how to name every place. God is enough. He went on and he went up and he offered. He'd already come out. He'd already obeyed. He'd already believed, but now he offered. The third thing that God wants us to see is that the test isn't only to deepen your faith, but to make you a conduit for God's greater work in the world. So this test with Abraham ultimately included you and me because the word of heaven that commended his faith said, because of this obedience, everybody on the planet will be blessed because through Isaac will come Jesus and through Jesus, I will do the miracle that I promised I'm going to do. So today the the message is, are we living with open hands? Are we living with closed hands? In other words, do you believe God still wants to take you up? that he still wants you to get up into the above and beyond. He still wants you to grow in your faith, to discover gyra in the above and beyond, to have a mindset that says, I've seen a lot in the past, but I'm not gonna sleep on the past. I'm gonna keep believing God as I step into the promise. I'm gonna live with my hands open. I was thinking today because over the weekend, our church had the opportunity to sow into another church that's trying to buy a property and move forward their mission in their city. And they're believing for God to do something big in their city. And we had the possibility and capability because of your generosity and above and beyond giving, not only to give to organizations helping Ukrainian refugees, but to give to this church as well. And to say here, this isn't all that you need, but we want to sow in to the journey that you're on. And it reminded me that when we were figuring out that this building that I'm standing in right now was going to be our home, We were traveling through Asia and we were at a church in Singapore and I was telling the pastor that we'd finally found our place. And the pastor said, oh my goodness, we wanna be a part of that. And just said, we're giving $50,000 to that like right now. And I was like, whoa, it was the first gift anyone gave to help us actually be in this building. 
And I came home, I was so happy, and our financial oversight team met over in what's now Passion Kids. This was before it was Passion Kids, and it was the defunct PGA Superstore that had gone out of business, and it still had some of the racks where the you know, clothing were on, and uh, still had a place where you could hit tennis balls. You know, uh, it, There's still a tennis court in there, actually. It's not functional, but I mean, it, we're just at a card table, literally, in folding chairs in that space over there, believing God for this building. And I say, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. Uh, this church just gave $50,000. Well, when you said that to us, maybe, I don't know, nobody seemed too impressed by that. But we were like, are you kidding? We, we hardly have $1,000. And as our financial oversight team celebrated the faithfulness of God, in the days that followed, we went, you know what? We know of a church in Australia that's just planting a little church that's two friends of ours that's just getting started. Let's give half of it to them. And then there was a church in our city that was located in an area not too far from here that had the option to get a property closer down to the bends. And they were taking a step of faith and we said, let's give the other half of it to them. And we just became the conduit, the pass-through. People in Singapore don't even know they sponsored two other churches. (laughs) Don't sleep on the 50 grand for the rest of your life. Abraham's test was not about him. It was about everybody. And your faith isn't for you. Who knows who's waiting for you to step into the promise. And then lastly, this test, this particular test, was to provide a picture of the ultimate provision of God. On the mountain of the Lord, the proverb says, it will be provided. Now the text, once again, says he led Abraham to the region of Moriah. What that means is to the, to the high, highlands up to the highlands. It's several days journey from where he was. And so it's very likely that those highlands were the hills of Jerusalem. And then when he got there, he said, that's the one I want you to go up. And he he saw on that day, oh, that's the one we're going up, son. You're carrying the wood, I'm carrying the fire and the knife and we're going up that mountain. We know from Chronicles where Solomon built his temple that he built his temple on Mount Moriah on Aruna's threshing floor. And so when you go to Jerusalem today and you go up to the Temple Mount, that's the spot, that's the place. That's where Solomon built his temple. It's where the Holy of Holies was. It's where the Ark of the Covenant was. It's where the veil was torn in two, no doubt about it, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, on Mount Moriah. So this text didn't say he led him up Mount Moriah. It says he took him to the region of Moriah and there he showed him 
a mountain. And on that mountain is where he was willing to give it all. Believing that even if he did, which I don't think he thought he was, that God had the ability to raise the dead. And that both he and the son were gonna worship on that mountain. And then they would return. So I can't say 1,000% locked down out of this text that that was the very spot where the veil was torn in two, but it's most likely that that's where God would have led Abraham on that day. And on the mountain where the Lord will provide is on the mountain where the Lord did provide. And Asterix offered his one and only son as the lamb who was slain. And so God isn't trying to be outlandish and he's not going for shock factor. He's painting a picture in the minds of a people that is gonna be transferred from generation to 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 generation so that on the day, on Mount Moriah, in the moment where his son is offered, where his sacrifice is made, it would trigger a chain reaction through the minds of the generation saying, this is what Abraham was all about. This was preparing us to understand and see what God is doing right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Yahweh, Yira, he will see to it. He'll see to it. So in the instant, in the moment, in the moment of your faith in Jesus, in that very moment, as God sees, you step into the promise that if you believe in Jesus, he will wipe away your debt and bring eternal life to your soul. In that very moment, God will provide. And wherever that happened, the moment you got saved, you can call that place Yahweh Yira. He saw my faith in Jesus. And he fulfilled his promise that he would save even me. And every place 
you step by faith. He sees and provides. There should be tracks through the city, footprints in every community. Yahweh Yira, Yahweh Yira, Yahweh Yira. I'm naming that place Yahweh Yira. That hospital room up there, that one's called Yahweh Yira. Oh, it may be the Marcus Heart Institute, but that room right down there is called Yahweh Yira. We named it that when we walked out of there. This is the place where God provided. That graveside, when we didn't think we would make it, it may be called such and such cemetery, but we renamed that place Yahweh Yira. God sees where we are, sees what we need, and is gonna provide miraculously on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. Back at 2829 Briar Road. Oh, we renamed that place the Lord on his mountain will provide. The question is, is anybody up on his mountain? Because Jireh is up in the above and beyond. Oh, he'll meet you where you are. And you may say, what we need is only really right now $79. That's, that's not like a big Bible story. No, that's, that's the above and beyond for you, go up that $79 mountain and say, God, we don't know what to do. We're willing to work. We're willing to this. We're willing to do whatever, but we don't know how this is going to work out. Do you see if we're trusting you, believing for you, or it may be the something so big that you know, and everyone around you knows it's going to take a supernatural act of God. He's saying, come up in to the above and beyond and Offer your best, believing that even I can raise the dead and everybody's coming back to worship together in the end. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.